Hey everybody, this is Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church Adelaide and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast you can have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our preaching team. This week we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer and about praying like Jesus did. And this is good for us to do because as followers of Jesus, if this is new for you or if you haven't picked up this up for a while, basically, if you're in trouble and you're like, I don't know what to do in this situation, your best bet is to try and open the Bible and basically go, how did Jesus approach this? At least from a philosophy and a process point of view. It's not always helpful to go, I'm going to draw in the dust in first century you know, Israel because that's probably not geographically possible for you. But in a process-oriented, in a how-did-Jesus-think-how-did-Jesus-love kind of way, this is the best way to do it. So when we're asking the question of how do we pray, Jesus is the one to ask, right? Jesus is the one to ask. And when the disciples asked Jesus this, and again, we'll get into this in a minute, they, they got answered with a very practical answer. Jesus, who so often speaks in parables and answers in a way that's not direct and is not clear, said to the disciples, oh, pray like this. And the disciples must have just been delighted to get a straight answer out of Jesus. So we've got this in Luke's gospel and we've got it in Matthew's. Now for me, I shared last week that prayer was a very important part of my spiritual journey before I became a follower of Jesus, right? And this is, this is true for a lot of people. There's a sense of the spiritual rising up in, in people. You may have heard of the category spiritual but not religious. Yeah, anybody? spiritual but not religious. And so there's a lot of people that they identify as that and they pray and they don't know who they pray to or where exactly their prayers are going, but there is a sense that we're reaching out for something bigger. And in that, that's exactly what I was like as a young man. And the reason was that my Christian mother reminded me always, it was the most consistent thing she was able to give me. She just kept saying, you can pray and God is listening. You can pray to God anytime and he's listening. And I was like, great. And then I had my own kids. It's like, okay. And for all the parents out there, you know that suddenly all your little dreams and realities and the, you know, birth plans and, you know, the books, what to expect when you're expecting. Oh, you know, what's the Australian version of that? There's like a baby love. Is that the book everyone gets given? Oh, there's a book that everyone had to read and, you know, it's fine, but you can read as many books as you want. And then the child comes and you're like, oh, I don't know anything. Great. (laughs) Now reality hits. And let me tell you something. Statistics, so this is not just me. This comes through the uh, Fully Youth Institute. It comes through the the Think Orange research that comes across from the States, say that the primary disciple maker for any child's life is, want to take a guess? It's not the pastor. It's not the youth pastor. It's the parents. How terrifying is that, parents? That's terrifying, which means if we want to grow up children that look like Jesus and follow Jesus, we are primarily responsible. Again, that should be a little bit terrifying, but it's also a burden we have to have. So I came to raising my own kids, and I I remembered this process that was important to me of knowing I could pray at any time. And I thought, I want my children to have something like that, but I also want them to have the structure. So I thought, what if we tried to teach them the Lord's Prayer? And so they started learning the Lord's Prayer from an early age, and I'm going to let them take it from here. We did the Lord's Prayer every night, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, who wants to go first? Me. Okay. We'll go Grace, Charlie, Noah, Daddy. All right. Here we go. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name. 
Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. Now, now and forever. forever. Amen. Okay. Excellent. Excellent job. Well done, pastors, kids. 10 out of 10. <laughs> now, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Um, at the start, what do we say? Our Father in heaven. What do you think that means? Like, it's talking, like, to God. Right. Like, we're talking to God and we're like, yeah. Just, just reminds us who we're talking to, right? Yeah. That's good. Okay. What about next? Charlie, what's the next bit? Holy be your name. Holy be your name. Yeah. What do you think that means? Well, that's pretty good. Pretty close. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Holy means to be set apart. Yeah. Perfect. Always does. Always does. Give us this day our daily bread. That's your favourite, isn't it? Everyone fights over who gets saved. Give us this day our daily bread. No, I just want to say the end one. Okay. What what does it mean to have a daily bread? Why daily um, bread? I guess it's like it's <coughs> it is the bread from the last supper, and we and we have, can have it when we have that. It's representing Jesus' body. That is true. When we're talking about daily bread, we're talking about how God gives us what we need today. He doesn't always give us what we need for the next ten years all at once. Sometimes it's just enough for today. Then he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But you guys know, your brothers and sisters, you know you have to mm. be kind to each other, say I'm sorry, apologize, all those I'm sure which they all do perfectly though. So the Lord's Prayer, super easy to learn. Um, these kids have been saying it since they were two years old. Why? Because I wanted them to know, have a prayer in their hearts, the way that Jesus taught us to pray. Something really simple, really memorable. And there you go. So simple that my children can do it. Children and animals. Um, two years old. Uh, this isn't a joke. They, they've really all been able to do this since about two years old. Not because they're amazing, but it's repetition. Just repetition over time. Really simple. So it used to be when they were really little, we just repeat it and they'd say it after us. And then we started taking in turns. And they all fight over saying daily bread. And I don't know why and neither do they. But that's their favorite thing. So we have to take it in turns so that somebody different gets to say our daily bread every time. Now, the reason I did this, if I am brutally honest, is I wanted them to have a parachute. I wanted them, when the chips were down and they didn't know where to turn to, to go, well, I know when I was a kid, Dad always taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer. And I can, even if, if, I, if I feel at the end of myself and I don't know what to say, I can pray that. I can lift this prayer to God. And that's actually really important because the habits we build in our lives, they're not about supporting us at our best, they're about preparing us for our worst. So I want to get that later, but i got to move across a few things very quickly. There are, there are, Jesus' life and ministry were bathed in prayer. His ministry begins in prayer. He's baptized and then he prays. He goes, he's sent into the desert, it says, by the Holy Spirit, and he prays. He comes out and he finishes his ministry and he goes towards the cross and on the cross he prays. Jesus is constantly in prayer. So I want to look really quickly at one of the things that Jesus asks us to do that we heard in the reading today. And I want to look really quickly at one of Jesus' personal habits. And then we're going to let go into the Lord's Prayer, but we're going to move fast. This is going to be more 
wide than deep tonight, okay? So I really encourage you, have a look at this and go back and do some research yourself. This is really helpful. I've done a series on the Lord's Prayer before, so that's why we have to go quite quickly, right? So one of the things that we hear in Matthew's Gospel in the reading from today is this, and it is incredibly challenging. Uh, Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites who love, to be, who love to be heard to pray. Now, as a pastor who is kind of employed to pray out loud, that's difficult, right? I have to, just to name the elephant in the room, I pray out loud all the time. Jesus is talking about something a little bit different here. There's a couple of things going on. So back in that time, the Jewish, the Jewish people had these set times of prayer, these three times of prayer. And if they were very clever, the religious leaders could time it. So they just happened to be out in the most public of spaces when they're like, oh, oh, it's the prayer time. Please let me be heard as I pray in a loud and ostentatious manner. So this was one of the things that scholars think Jesus was talking about. The other thing is... That Jesus says, and, and, but don't babble like the pagans either. Don't babble like the Gentiles do. He doesn't mean necessarily don't continue to pray or don't just pray the length of the Lord's Prayer and then don't pray anymore. What he's talking about is a particular kind of prayer that the Gentiles used to do where they would have these structured prayers that would go on for a very long time that were given to foreign gods. There's a couple of things with them. They're about mostly being heard. They're about fulfilling what they believe is righteousness and they're directed at the wrong God. Now, the similarities between the ostentatious prayers and prayers being given to foreign gods are this. It's about what's going on in your heart. Idolatry, worshipping foreign gods, is wrong largely because it comes back to us. A lot of the gods that were being chosen in that time were partially being chosen because they suited them. Gods of fertility suit a certain mindset. Let's just leave that there. But there's something about that control that Jesus came to bring away and realign us with God. And the ostentatious prayers are the same. It's about, look at me. It's about me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. And he introduces us to this concept that in some translations is called the secret place. He says, take your prayer into the secret place. Take your prayer into the space where it's just you and God, where there's nobody to hide from. And it's, it's amazing when you read some of the great thinkers in church history, and they write about their experiences praying on their knees before God, and they say, you know, I find that I can be vain and proud even in this space. I can still make it about me in the secret place. There is something going on within us that we long to be the gods of our own lives. And Jesus says to remind us of this, like Alex said, get your knees dusty in the secret place. I'm going to leave that there because in a couple of weeks, uh, Brant's going to come and bring us a message about intimacy. But the sec- so, so just to be clear... Do feel free to pray around other people. That's okay. Just check your heart. Check your heart when you pray. You don't need to pray out loud just for the sound of your own voice. We pray because God moves. We pray because we grow in intimacy. Here's the second thing we need to hear about. There is a pattern in Jesus' life that can be a little confronting, and it's a pattern that uh, Ruth Haley Barton calls engage and retreat. Engage and retreat. Now, this is something you'll see throughout the Scriptures. You particularly see it in Luke's Gospel, and it goes like this. The crowds gather around Jesus... Pick one of any of a dozen different times. The crowds gather around Jesus. Jesus is healing people, casting out demons, and then it it says, and he retreated to a lonely place and prayed. What it doesn't say is this. Jesus waited till everybody had been healed, and then, only then, he went and got filled. There were, we have to assume, people who came to Jesus going, 
only you can heal me. Only you can give me what I need. And Jesus said, I need to go and pray. I can't do that right now. That's kind of challenging. Because I think our impression of Jesus sometimes is that he's somebody who is everything for everyone. And in a divine sense, yes, he is. But when he was incarnate here on earth, he knew the necessity of an engagement and retreat model. A model that says, I am going to come and be with the people. I'm going to minister to people. I'm going to care for them. And then there will come a point where I step back and I say, I'm going up the mountain to be with God, my Father, because that is how I get filled. And when I filled, I overflow in ministry and love and healing and exorcism for all those who need it. But unless I do that, I am not doing what God called me to do. I'm not being who God called me to be. Who Jesus was, was shaped by his time in the secret place. Alone with God. Alone with God. But this is very powerful. And it's powerful for us because most of us here at some level or other do either retreat or engage well. What I mean by that is we either don't do anything (laughs) or we engage so much that it's just workaholism. Any other kind of aholism is viewed as bad, right? When we talk about someone having alcoholism, we don't say that's a good thing. Wow, I admire you for that. I admire your alcohol ethic. (laughs) But when people are working 77-hour weeks, we say, wow, you just work really hard. Like, oh, yeah, you might be killing yourself too. You may just be killing yourself. Now, there are seasons where you do more and the seasons where you do less, right? There were seasons where Jesus was hands-on and hands-on in ministry, but then there were seasons where he knew... He had to stop and withdraw, not just to binge on Netflix, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the presence of God. It is critical. And look, you know right here, whether you're the workaholic type or whether you're the maybe retreat into Netflix type, know who you are and allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit of God. Retreat deliberately. I just want to encourage you with that tonight. Retreat deliberately. We cannot fill others when we are empty. Jesus needed retreat with the Father so much that he left the sick and needy in order to receive himself. So what are we doing to attend to our soul? Let's get into the Lord's Prayer. We've heard about the need to pray in secret. We've heard about the need to engage and retreat. Now let's hear about the petitions. So the Lord's Prayer is broken up into these different sections, and depending who you read, they break them up in different ways, but it tends to be broken up in these five different sections. It's in Matthew's Gospel, it's in Luke's Gospel. Matthew's is a little more well-rounded, so we're going to unpack that one. So it starts like this, and it depends on your translation, of course, but just go with me here. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now the first thing we do in the Lord's Prayer is remind ourselves that there is a God in heaven, and we are worshipping something other than ourselves. But we're not just saying, God, we worship you. We are saying, our Father, who dares to call us sons and daughters, you are holy. You are our Father, and and you have actually reached out. And in us, you have said to every single one of us, I adopt you, I call you my own, you receive my inheritance. So when we're reaching out, it's not to a distant deity who's let the universe go and then has strolled off. It's to an intimate, loving Father who calls you all children. So at the heart of this prayer, if you're getting to the Lord's Prayer and it's pure ritual, just remember it begins with your own childhood as children of God. It is so important to remember that you and I are children of God and we pray out of that position. That gives us authority to pray. It also means 
Jesus implies that if you have the courage to pray this prayer, you are a child of God. And that might be the step into faith for you. Let's keep going. We reach out in this sentence towards the God who surpasses our understanding and yet is still within reach. He's not just our God. He's our Father. He's infinite and holy. And the world he inhabits is bigger than we can understand and comprehend. The second petition, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This points to the fact that we have purpose. We have purpose. We are talking about God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, there have been generations throughout history that have said, cool, I'm going to take a seat. God, whenever you're ready, we'll be ready. But Jesus didn't do that. He sends his disciples out repeatedly. In fact, he says things like, I'm going to send you out and I don't want you to take an extra change of clothing. Let's just see what happens. And the disciples are like, ah! And then they go out and then they come back and Jesus says, what happened? And they're like, yeah, it was unbelievable. The power of God fell. We saw miracles. And Jesus is like, yeah, of course you did. I sent you. <laughs> We've got purpose in this world. Jesus is going to come back and we will see all things fulfilled. We will see the kingdom of God, this image that God has for the world, for the all of creation that he longed for. We will see that restored and renewed to all fruition. But in the meantime, you and I work as missionaries to break the kingdom of God in. It is breaking in even now with every act of love you give, with every forgiveness, with every act of grace, every time you step out in the name of Jesus. The kingdom of God begins to break in, and he does it through you and me. And that is a responsibility to hold and a privilege to own. The kingdom of God breaks in through you and me. Then we get to the third petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. And bread throughout Scripture pops up again and again and again as a sign of the Lord's nourishing us. Now, I don't want to get into it too much because actually I really love this topic and I'll go way too long. But I just want to touch on the manna from heaven. Now, you might be familiar with this. Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt, out of exile, into the desert towards the promised land. And the Israelites, as they tend to do, are grumbling. By the way, it's always great when we're like, ugh, the Israelites grumbling. Meanwhile, why is my Wi-Fi so slow? I'm just saying, we might have been worse in the desert. The manna from heaven comes down and it appears as this wafer that is on the ground. And the first time it comes, God speaks to Moses and he says, tell the leaders, only collect enough for today. So, oh, why? He's like, well, you need to learn that I'm providing for you and I will continue to provide for you. And the Israelites, being holy people who never make a mistake, did exactly that. No, of course they didn't. They went out and they collected extra because they said, what about a rainy day? I'll collect some for a rainy day. I'll have an investment property. Investment property of manna. So they put it away and then they go to it the next day and it is filled with maggots. And God says, I'm providing for you again. And sure enough, they look outside and there is the manna. Not day old, crusty manna, but fresh. Fresh bread from heaven again. Jesus is reminding us here at the very center of this prayer, put all your faith, put all your provision, put all your trust, put all your needs into God's hands. And that's actually the heart of this prayer, is to remind us that God is our provider. Whatever situation you're in, however uncertain you feel, give it to God. Give it to God. Let's keep pushing through the fourth petition. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, 
at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we hear this, hear this challenging verse that you will not be forgiven if you do not forgive. I want to encourage you, please do research on this if you'd like to read more about it. The best research I can do, the best study and prayer I can give is this. What Jesus is really saying is that those who are unwilling to forgive lack the capability to receive forgiveness. Now, why do you think that is? It's pride. It's pride. If you can't forgive somebody else, it's because you think you have something that they don't. You think you're in a position that they're not. You think basically that you have earned something or achieved something or done something that is right. You are righteous and the other person are not. It reminds me when the two people are coming to the temple and Jesus is, pointing, is telling this parable and he says there's a tax collector and a Pharisee and the Pharisee says, I thank you, God, I'm not like that tax collector. That's what unforgiveness is like. I thank you, God, that I'm not like this terrible person who's wronged me. But Jesus is saying that's the wrong posture. You can't receive forgiveness if you can't forgive. And the reason is you don't think you need it. You think you've got it all together. Why would you want to receive forgiveness? But Jesus says, you desperately need it. You're a sinner and so am I. And this is what gets us towards the, the, um, the rest of this. Uh, sorry, the fifth petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Actually, before I get, jump there, Jesus assumes by giving us this pattern for prayer, we will continue to need forgiveness. I, I just give you that to forgive yourself when you sin. For those that like to beat themselves up. Jesus assumes we will sin and need forgiveness. Okay? So lean into the forgiveness. Lean into the forgiveness. This, this fifth petition, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's two kinds of evil here. The temptation is the evil inside and the deliver us from evil is the evil outside. That's how Augustine, the church father, described it. This is not about experiencing temptation at all, because temptation is a test, and testing is good. You've all been through tests. We've all utterly enjoyed the tests of the schooling system. Am I right? Not so much. Your 12s in the audience are just silently sobbing. There's tears rolling down their cheeks. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. We don't all love tests, right? But what do they do? They show us where we're at. They show us where we're at. So the tests we receive in life are not necessarily bad. We get put in situations that we don't like, but we endure them. And when we endure them, we learn where we're at. We actually learn where we need God more than we realized. And this is the point of tests. It's not about whether you go through them or not. It's about what you do. Can you get through the other side? Can you get through it without falling down? And the reason this is so important, because at the heart of this is what Jesus did in his time of testing. See, Jesus had a time when he had his worst day ever. And we touched on it before. He gives the Lord's Supper. He watches Judas break bread with him and leave. And then he goes to Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's something powerful that happens in this space. See, Jesus goes to this garden and he knows what's going to happen. And he says to his disciples, listen, can you just watch and pray with me? They're like, yeah, absolutely, and fall asleep. And Jesus goes a little further, and he prays by himself, and he says, Father, if this cup can be taken from me, would you take it from me? Now, this is Jesus that is most vulnerable, saying, God, I know what's coming next, and I don't want it. But not my will 
yours. Not my will, yours. And then he goes to the cross ultimately in loving obedience to the will of the Father. Friends, when it comes down to it, you and I are all going to have a Gethsemane moment. It probably won't be as dramatic as Jesus was, but nonetheless, we are going to come to a moment when we are at the end of ourselves. And there's going to be a very important thing that happens. Are we going to be able to listen to the will of God and then say, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. Because that's what it looks like to go through the testing, is to go, not my will, but yours. Not my provision for myself, but your daily bread. Not my kingdom, but yours. Not my Godship, but yours. The Lord's Prayer in total reminds us to take ourselves in our fullness and come before God with dusty knees and say, I need you again and I trust you again. And so we're just come to, going to come tonight to a really simple moment of prayer. And this is a moment for anybody who says, all right, I'm having a bit of a moment. Let's not call it a Gethsemane moment because that might be just a bit too dramatic. And I do want people to be looking in themselves here. But just a moment where we say, I am at the end of myself at the moment. I just, I'm in a situation where I feel out of control and I need to realign myself in faith with Jesus. You're going through a moment. You're trying to put the will of God first and you're struggling. That's okay. Bring it to God. Let's pray for you. Let me pray out loud in public as we finish. God, you invite us into this space and it is so good that not every moment is right at the top of the mountain because in the valleys is where we need you. Lord, we praise you in and out of season. But we ask you, if we're in a valley right now, we're at the end of ourselves. we need you. We just ask you, come, meet us. As best as we can, we're opening ourselves to you. Would you meet us in our weakness? Would you meet us in our brokenness? We love you, Lord. We come before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you. For more information and resources, please check out our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And don't forget to leave us a rating and review on your podcast provider. Have an amazing day. God bless you.